Today we'd like to welcome you to Central Park Neighborhood Church to our evening service. And we would like to take a few moments today to share some things from the Word of God with you. And uh, we trust that what we share with you will increase your life, will increase your relationship and understanding of the Lord, and that you will benefit totally uh, from listening to this Word. Today I would really like to share with you uh, concerning the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the progressive steps that we take with the Holy Spirit. Our relationship with God is one that continually grows. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit is one that grows. And uh, as we look at the Word of God, as we look at the concerning the things in the Word about the Spirit of God, I trust that you will learn some things and it will enhance your relationship with Him and that this will be a blessing to you. So today I, I want to start with the fact that the Holy Spirit was involved in our individual lives right from the very beginning. Uh, even before we were born, even before we, were, we came on the planet itself, uh, God had us in mind. He had a plan for us. He had a desire for us. And as we look at the scriptures, we will see that this bears this out. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we find the very creation of humanity, and it was determined by the Godhead. And it says in Genesis 1, 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. And so we, when we look at this verse, we see God saying, seemingly singular God, but he said, let us. So it's not a singular word. God is not singular, but it's plural. Let us. The word God itself is Elohim, and it means gods uh, in the plural sense. So when God said, let us make man in our image, we find that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will all together uh, in the decision-making process and bringing and making man, humanity and taking him, placing him upon the planet and giving him a divine purpose. So he says, let us make man. So here we are. We, have, we are created beings. Our God has made us. Amen. We're not an accident going to happen. We are a people who have been created by a maker, a divine maker, Amen. And he desires fellowship with us. He desires, amen, relationship with us. And uh, as his highest order of creation, uh, once again, here we are. And, and it's, it's a pleasure. I don't know about you, but I enjoy my life with God. I enjoy my relationship with the Lord. And, and uh, I want to grow in that relationship. I want to grow in knowing the creator of, of, my, of me as an individual. And so today, as we look at this, realize God made us. He was there in the beginning. He's the one that initiated it. He's the one who started this whole thing. He's the one who is really the, the creator of us as human beings. So the plural God, the Holy Spirit, was involved in our creation. He was there. When we look at the life of Paul, he makes a declaration about himself and how he got to where he was in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This is Paul saying, he says, Who has saved us, called us with a holy calling, 
not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Powerful scripture. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then he says in verse 11, whereunto he says, I am appointed. Now he says, I'm appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So he lists his, basically the grace that God had given him, the grace, uh, the gifts that God had given him. It's God's ability. It's God imparting into this life of Paul. And he says to us, he says, I was appointed a preacher. He was appointed apostle, and he was an appointed a teacher. And not only was he uh, graced of God in these three different areas, but we find that he was given a specific area to minister to, and that was to the Gentiles. So when God created him, he had in mind that here's a man I'm going to raise up, and in the process of time and the right season, in the right timing that he would come to the earth, and he would be used of God, amen, to minister to the Gentiles. And so we find that his purpose is exposed. We find that his purpose uh, that was really given to him in eternity before time began. And as we also read it, uh, this verse, he says, he saved us, he's called us with a holy cord, uh, calling, not according to our works. There isn't anything that Paul could do to uh, have the gifts and the call of God that was upon him. Uh, those were given by God. They were given by his divine purpose, by his divine call, by his divine grace that was given to him. And the same thing with us today. Uh, as we uh, are here on the planet at this particular time, in this season, with all of the challenges that are here, uh, I know people have asked, uh, why, am I, why did I come at such a time? Why was I born in this country? Why? Many why questions. Uh, and many times I can't answer those why questions other than to say, in the mind of God, he had a purpose, he had a time, he had a season, and we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We've come at a time with the grace that God has given to each one of us. Uh, he's given us a a not only a grace, but a purpose to fulfill, a life that's to be fulfilled with God. And when we are fulfilled with the grace of God, fulfilled with the purpose of God, that brings meaning to life. That brings uh, joy to our life. And, and so consequently, uh, quit, stopping, quit talking about why and begin to say, well, this is who I am. This is what God has made me. And be busy about the very things that God has called you to do. Because that's when joy comes in. That's when life has meaning. That's when we are people of purpose and we fulfill the things that God wants us to fulfill. So he says, once again, he saved us. He's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Once again, not anything that we could do, but according to his own purpose and grace. His own purpose. We are here by his own purpose. His choosing. His choosing. That puts an importance upon the fact that where our life is at and where we are at is because it is his purpose that we are here. It is his purpose uh, for us ministering in the time frame that we have. You no, know, God has anointed us for this time. God has brought and revealed himself to us and given us a purpose uh, that we can fulfill it in our generation. 
David said, I have served God in my generation. He wasn't responsible for something beyond that. He was responsible for the generation that he lived in. And likewise, we also, we are responsible, amen, for the generation that we live in. And we live in a great generation. We're closer to the return of Christ than we were yesterday or the last generation. Uh, things can be seemingly difficult on the earth and there's many things yet to come. But uh, we are here by the divine purpose of God and we need to rejoice in that fact. So I encourage you, take heart. You're here. You're here at the right time. You're here in the time that God has placed you in and rejoice in it. So there we find that, that the eternal God before time gave us our purpose and Paul relates to what his purpose was, giving us hope, these things uh, that he has said, they also work in our own lives. It says also, concerning the Spirit of God, he, his people, uh, which he foreknew. So the people that he created, uh, Israel, the people of God, he knew them, he foreknew them. In Romans chapter 11, verse 2, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew says he foreknew them. Uh, would you not that what the scripture says of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, but he says he foreknew them. Okay? He foreknew them. He, to, that word foreknew means to know beforehand or foresee. So God knew Israel beforehand, before time began. It's amazing to me uh, when I think of the people of Israel, how many actually came out of uh, the house of bondage in Egypt, uh, we find that God knew each individual for that time and that season. Now on the planet, we have about six billion people, and yet God knows each one of us. He knows the very hair on our head. He knows the thoughts of our mind. Uh, He knows our life. He knows the insides, the outsides. He goes before. He goes behind. Uh, uh, Our God knows everything there is to know about us as individuals. And so there isn't anything that gets by God. There isn't anything that he doesn't know. There isn't anything that he doesn't know that's coming our way. And so we need to take heart with that. He foreknew it. He foreknew, he foreknew Israel. He foreknew us. And uh, today I am encouraged because God knows me. God knows me just like he knows you. Jesus, the Son of God. Let's take a look at Jesus, the Son of God, and and foreknowing the plan and purpose of God. In Acts 21, or Acts chapter 2, verse 21 through 25, it says this, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. Then he says this, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Then he says, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Verse 25. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. The foreknowledge of God, the forethought. So when we see the Son of God, we see 
him coming and we, we know what the word of God states very clearly. How he came to earth and how he walked and, and how he pleased the father and he did those things which he saw his father did. He had a relationship with his father and as he moved about healing the people, raising the dead, uh, casting out devils, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then we see him uh, uh, being delivered, uh, amen, accused of many things and hanging on the cross and dying on the cross that his blood would be shed for many nations, uh, uh, yet in each individual can be a partaker and be washed in that blood. Thank you, Jesus, that our sins uh, are washed and removed from us because Jesus, uh, amen, according to the foreknowledge, the forethought of God, the plan of God came into operation and Jesus fulfilled it. He fulfilled his purpose. He died, but he just didn't stay die. He didn't stay dead. The Bible says on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory today. We serve a living Christ. We serve a living God. Amen. By the divine determined purpose of God. And so the Son of God, Jesus Christ, amen. That whole plan, that whole plan that he put together, that was put together even before time began. Uh, and as time marched on, the plan of God was fulfilled. It came to fruition. And because of that, we today stand in relationship, amen, with our God. So we thank God, amen, for the plan concerning Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I also like what 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says, which none of the princes of this world knew... For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love him. So he says here, the princes of this world, they had no clue what they were doing. They thought they were eliminating Jesus. They thought they were eliminating the one who was claimed to be the Son of God. But uh, because they didn't have foreknowledge, because they didn't have and understand the determined purpose and plan of God, they thought they would do away with him. But in their doing away with him, amen, that's the very thing that brought liberty to humanity. That's the very thing that brought humanity back in right relationship with, uh, with God himself. Uh, amen. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He is the way today. And so the plan of God can't be thwarted because man does not understand all of the plans, amen, that God has done. But we find here that God has, as he has written, I hasn't seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So today we love him. His plan is opening and being fulfilled for us. And as we are obedient to him and walking according to his will, that plan and that purpose just keeps unfolding, keeps unfolding, keeps unfolding. Amen. As we follow him. Amen. It's the, the, following God is not dull. Following God is not something that is, uh, uh, it's not burdensome. It's not, it's something that continually unfolds. Uh, I know that in my own personal life, uh, uh, God has called my wife and myself to travel in the nations of the earth. Uh, and over the process of time, we've traveled in some 30 nations on the earth as God has opened doors. 
And when he's opened those doors, there's been divine purpose uh, in the opening of the doors. Uh, in some nations, we've gone with a specific message for a specific purpose uh, to see those things fulfilled. Uh, and God then opening up another door and sending us uh, into another nation with a message, uh, amen, to do the very thing that God wants to do. And when God sends you and when God uh, uh, determines your purpose for you, he sends you into a place and he makes your life fruitful. Uh, we didn't choose him, but he chose us uh, and that we would go forth and that we would be bring forth fruit, much fruit. And so God has determined that we would be fruitful in our ministry, fruitful in our lives, fruitful in our families, fruitful in, in bringing fruit to God, which will remain. Not only then do we see that the Son of God was in the divine purpose of God, and we see the Holy Spirit flowing through him, uh, doing miraculous things, uh, doing, uh, uh, being revealed to mankind as the God that is concerned about us, not only our eternal salvation, but even as he walked upon the earth, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out devils, and he proclaimed a message of the gospel of the kingdom. And in proclaiming it, he demonstrated it to us. And he did that because the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So we find that even in Jesus' life, the Holy Spirit was there flowing through his life. It enabled him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It enabled him, amen, to set the captives free. Because that spirit that was upon him, it came upon him in power. And when it came upon him in power, amen, that power overrode all of the other powers uh, that would raise themselves up against him. The blind were set free. The demonic were set free. The palsy were healed. Uh, the blind eyes were opened. Disease had to bow itself to the very power of the anointing that was upon Jesus' life. And Thank God we see Jesus, but that same anointing can be upon us today. We'll save that for another message. Uh, but Jesus, the Son of God, he was determined beforehand. He came, he fulfilled his purpose, uh, and we are partakers of that today. I like what First Peter chapter 1, verse th 1 verse three through 3 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, there it is again, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. In verse 3 he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from the dead. So when he says here to the strangers that are scattered far abroad, it's the alien alongside, it's a resident foreigner. And he calls them pilgrims, he calls them strangers, okay? But he says they were elect according to the foreknowledge of God, to the foreknowledge of God. And so when he says here that they are strangers, uh, uh, a foreigner, it also means to make oneself at home, to reside. So in the foreknowledge of God, he called the strangers, those who would be strange from the covenants and the promises of God. He has called them and he's called them near by his blood. 
And in doing that, uh, the stranger is made and becomes a part of the household of faith, amen, with Israel today. And so together we are one. And how has all this taken place? It's through the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God moving upon the nations of the earth. Uh, the Spirit of God moving, uh, amen, and drawing people by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And we find uh, that that gospel message, when it goes forth, uh, Amen. It reaches the hearts and lives of people. Why? Because it is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to convince the world, convict the world of sin. He's at work. Amen. He's at work with a so-called stranger. He's at work. uh, Amen. In the lives of humanity across the planet today. And so we thank God, amen, for the Holy Spirit. We thank God for the Spirit of God, which is alive and which works in us and works uh, through us and, and draws us and causes us to know Him. Amen. We appreciate the Holy Spirit. I, I get excited about the message of the Holy Spirit and what He does in our life and the relationship that you can have with Him. It's a growing relationship continually. The Holy Spirit... Not only uh, do we see, you know, people being called and, and we see beforehand, we see the Spirit of God in creating man, but uh, uh, before you come to Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit really is at work drawing you. The Holy Spirit arranges our circumstances for the purpose of knowing God. And I want to take the time here to read Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter... 8 verses 26 through 40. Here we find Philip involved with the eunuch of Ethiopia. Let's read this story and uh, from the scriptures and let's make some points from it. In verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And what does he do? It says, He arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. In these verses, we find that Philip receives a word. It says the angel of the Lord spoke to him. And what did he do? He was obedient to the voice that came to him, because it says he arose and he went towards the south under the way that goes down to Jerusalem. And so you'll find that many times the Holy Spirit in your life, he will speak to you and give you challenges to minister to people. I want to challenge you right here what Philip did. The first thing he did was he, the Bible says, he arose. He got up. He got up. When he got up, he had a heart to be obedient to what he'd heard. And when we are uh, obedient to what the Spirit of God tells us, we, you will find that God will do great things through your life. I'll give you a couple of stories. Uh, I have a friend, amen, uh, Pastor Rick Johnston in, in London, England. In his congregation, he has a family from India. And uh, uh, in this family, uh, they have a, a 16-year-old daughter. Uh, in this family that is like any other 16-year-old daughter, was on the bus going to school one day. And as she's riding the bus to school in central London there, uh, the Spirit of God spoke to her and told her, get off of the bus. Now, 
she's a very spiritual young lady. She has a relationship with the Lord. And so what did she do? You know, she questioned, well, what am I supposed to do when I get off the bus? You know, she didn't, she didn't know, she didn't understand, but she felt very prompted to do so. So she got off the bus. When uh, she got off the bus, there was an alleyway there, very close to where the bus stop was. And she felt that she should go up the alley. And when she went up the alley, uh, she looked up the alley and there was a man laying in the alley. She walked up to the man. The man was not alive. At that point, she felt prompted to lay her hands on this man who was not alive, and she spoke a word of life to him, and the man came back to life. God spoke to this young lady, get off the bus, go up the alley, minister to this man. And when she did that, it saved that man's life. That man was saved because of the obedience that she did. And likewise, when we, it doesn't matter, all of us, the Spirit of God can speak He gives us directions. He gives us uh, things to do. And generally, and most generally, it always involves people. God is in the people business. And because he's in the people business, he wants to use people, uh, those that he's called, those that that know him, to be used by him to minister to others, even those who don't know God and even those that do do know God. So that's the first step we find here. He arose in a place of obedience. Let's go on. And we find here that he had come to Jerusalem for the worship. Verse 28. He was returning, sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Now notice what it says in verse 29. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, join yourself to his chariot. Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? He wasn't understanding. He needed, he needed someone to help him understand what he was reading. And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth." Now, notice what the eunuch, he, he, he's reading this, they're looking at it. And in verse 34, it says, And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? He was questioning. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Philip had a relationship with Jesus. Philip understood the scriptures. And this man, who has reading the scriptures, his heart was open to God because God had opened his heart. God had determined that this was the time that this eunuch would have a revelation and come to an understanding of who Jesus is. It was at the right time. It was the right season. It was the right setting. And God sent Philip to be in this right setting. And whenever God wants to use us, he creates settings for us. We, we need to look at things and realize how God and how the Spirit of God is involved in our lives personally and in the lives of the individuals that need to be ministered to. These are not accidents. These are planned by the Holy Spirit. These are designed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that God has created us, amen, that we would walk in good works. Ephesians tells us that. 
So if he's ordained that we walk in good works, uh, and not good works for salvation, but good works of ministering the things of God to people, God arranges those things for us. And so Philip opens his mouth. He begins at the same scripture. He preaches unto him Jesus. And then verse 36, as they went on their way, they come unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe. He says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, it says the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Philip was found at Aotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So here we have the Holy Spirit arranging, arranging, setting up perfect circumstances, the perfect setting. He puts hunger in the heart of the man, the the eunuch. And he's reading the scripture. He's desiring, I, I don't understand this. Will some, can someone open to me and cause me to understand that? And what did God do? He sends him, Philip, to answer the man's question, not only to answer the man's question, but to bring him into right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, but he was water baptized. And then the, the Bible says, the Spirit of God caught away Philip, and he was found in this other place some 20 miles away. God instantly transported him there. He had another assignment to do. It was completed with the eunuch. Amen. God is good. Once again, we see the, the awesomeness of the Spirit of God involved in people's lives and involved in our own personal lives, giving us what we need, amen, to minister to the lives of individuals. So take heart. You're not alone. The Spirit of God is with you. The Spirit of God is setting your, arranging your settings for you. Many times we, we, we get into a setting of ministry and we, we say, oh, what shall I say? What shall I do? And, and we get into, once again, we get into the why question. Sometimes you don't need to worry about whether you just say things exactly right. You know what? God can use anything. When God is touching hearts and God is ministering to hearts, he will come and he will, he's the one who's arranged it. So don't worry about it. Have confidence. God is in the middle of it. God will use you. Whether you speak with a stammering tongue or you can hardly do anything, God will, amen, make it happen. It reminds me of a story of a good friend. Uh, he was, went out on the streets. Uh, he was in California. And uh, he was he was his first time out witnessing to people. He says, "I've got to get out here, and I've got to, I have to, uh, I've, I've got to get started. I've got to get started." He felt, "I just, I, it's time." And he wasn't sure, quite sure, how all of it was going to take place. He wasn't quite sure, uh, just exactly how to do it. To, but he says, "I'm just going to start talking to the first people that come up to me." So there were three young men that came up to him and he started talking to them and he started sharing the gospel with them and they kind of shook their head and, uh, and then he started to ask them questions and then all of a sudden uh, he was made to understand that they couldn't even hear. And, uh, and so he was kind of dumbfounded about that. He says, I'm here to share the gospel. 
Uh, but you know what? God used that setting and all three of those young men who couldn't hear actually gave their life to Christ because he stepped out and said, I will minister. Even though they couldn't hear, there was something supernatural that the Spirit of God had done uh, in his ability to communicate with them. I don't know if it was all just hand signals. They were reading his lips. I don't know everything that went on. All I know is that the Spirit of God used him in that setting that was impossible. That's our God. God takes uh, things that are impossible and he makes them possible. Once again, it's not all your ability. It's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the anointing of God. It's the Spirit of God reaching mankind through our lives. Once again, this is exciting. Serving the Lord is exciting. Walking with the Spirit is exciting. So I want to encourage you today. Amen. Do, amen, what the Spirit of God has challenged you to do. You may not, you know, it, it, you may not understand all of the intricacies of what you're supposed to do. Take the first step. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so even when we minister and we're being used of God, he puts us in situations that seemingly are impossible to us, and it requires of us to take a step of faith to begin to do what we're supposed to do, do what he challenges us to do, And when you begin to step out and do what you're supposed to do, the rest of it will begin to unfold and it will be made plain to you, but it takes an act of faith many times on our part. Be encouraged. You're not alone. Amen. That enemy of fear that would jump up and try to stop you from from going forth, amen, with the Spirit of God and doing what he wants to do, put it in its place. Realize God is with you. Realize the anointing of God is upon you. Realize the Spirit of God is working on the other end as well as upon you. He's there. Take, take heart in that. We find also uh, that every person who is born again has a testimony of their own journey. You know, you, you, you don't always see the involvement of the Holy Spirit in your life when you have no relationship with him. You don't understand things. You, you, you know things, some things are happening, but you have questions about things. About, many times you're just unaware of his involvement. But it's really only after you become saved and you have a relationship with him that you can look back and you can say, oh, now I understand Now I see, yes, I understand now, I see how the Spirit of God used that person to talk to me. Even when they talked to me, I wasn't quite sure of everything they said. I I heard what they said, uh, but I I hadn't wholeheartedly received it. But that person on the other end planted a seed in your life, planted a seed which grew uh, God's word, when he sends it forth, it doesn't return void. Amen. It goes forth and it will bring forth the fruit that he sends it forth. So he plants that seed in our lives and brings us to a place of total exception, accepting of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And when that happens, uh, amen, lots of things begin to take place. Your understanding becomes more fruitful. You can look back in your life and say, oh, I see how God has been a work in my life. I can see how others have talked to me at certain times. Now it makes sense. Uh, now I understand. And so uh, the Spirit of God is involved in people's lives, my life, your life, 
others' lives before they come to Christ. He is there once again arranging, amen, for there's a setup. You are being set up by the Spirit of God, amen, uh, to have a, a saving knowledge of Him. It takes a personal revelation. It takes a personal revelation. You don't come to it on your own. God reveals himself to you. You know, we, we, many times we, we have a saying, I found God. Well, God was not lost. You were the one that were lost. And God revealed himself to you. And so you were able to understand and comprehend who he was and what was going on. All right. So we see then, uh, as we've looked at so far at the scriptures, we've seen that God is in before time. He was involved in creating humanity, giving us purpose, giving us destiny, a time and a season in life. We see uh, Paul's life, how God, he revealed, uh, you know, he was a preacher, he was an apostle, a teacher to the Gentiles. He had a specific place, a specific call, just like we do. And we find that God doesn't leave anybody out. He, he comes to the stranger, the foreigner. Uh, he foreknew that that's where they would be. And he chose to reach to those people. All the people on the planet, God is busy working with their life. I don't care what religion they're in. I don't care what they believe. The Spirit of God is there moving. The Spirit of God is, is hard at work. And the Spirit of God uses us uses us. He sends us. He challenges us. He equips us to go into places, not only to our neighbors, but across the seas and around the world, amen, to reach the people. Now let's look at, let's begin to hear to the next point about the Spirit of God in our salvation. We see him before salvation. Now let's look at him in our salvation itself. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, here we find in this scripture, we find that this man, Nicodemus, now this ruler is coming to Jesus. And he comes to him by night, the Bible says, and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher, that you have come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you're doing except God be with him. So this rabbi, Nicodemus, recognized uh, from the works that Jesus was doing and the teaching that Jesus was doing, he had an authority when he taught. He had, Nicodemus was aware of the actions that were flowing forth from the life of Jesus to humanity. So he knew that God was with him. And then in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Jesus now is addressing him and he's talking to him about being born again. And to be born again, he could, and if he isn't born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. In other words, he can't know the kingdom of God. He can't discern clearly it, uh, the kingdom of God, and he cannot experience the kingdom of God. But he doesn't stop there. He, he goes on and tells him and gives him an answer here. Uh, Nicodemus, first of all, asked him, he says, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So, you know, Nicodemus went right to uh, the, the natural side of things, and Jesus was coming from the other side, which is the spiritual side. Jesus answers him and said, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, uh, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He can't come into it. He, he can't enter it. He can't. 
First of all, he says, you, you can't see it. You're not going to know it. And then he says, you can't come into it. But the way that you do is that you're born of water and of the Spirit. Not the natural birth of entering a second time into his mother's womb, but a spiritual birth now here was to take place. One of water and of the Spirit. We find water, water baptism, and the Spirit. We find the Spirit involved in our salvation experience. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but can you tell whence it comes and where it goes? So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So in our salvation, the Holy Spirit is involved, amen, in bringing forth our salvation. So we're born into a new kingdom. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He says three things. First of all, he says, The kingdom of God is righteousness. We are in right standing with God. When you accept Christ as your Savior, amen, the blood of Jesus Christ washes you from your sin. Amen. You are declared right with God. There's nothing between you and God anymore. There's no sin. Amen. You have relationship with him. He says, then you have peace. Amen. God uh, is angry with the wicked. Uh, He's angry with sin. But once Jesus' blood washes us from our sin, amen, there is nothing between you and God. Amen. We have peace with God. Peace with God. And then he says, joy of the Holy Spirit walking, amen, with, in right standing, with peace with God, and with joy in our heart. And so we find that it is the Holy Spirit involved in these three things. It's the kingdom that we live in. When you're born again, you are transformed. You are delivered from the kingdom of darkness. You are delivered from a king, amen, that is subjects people to sin and sickness and disease. And we come and we're born into this king. We have a new king. The new king is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the king of peace. The Lord Jesus Christ, amen, is one that brings abundant salvation to us. The Lord Jesus Christ is the, the truth, the life, and the way. The Lord Jesus Christ is one who puts in right relationship and brings us to the Father. What a new king we have. What a new king we serve. What a new king, amen, that we can rejoice in today. So we have a new king, born into a new kingdom. And not only that, uh, when we're born into a new kingdom, we have new guidelines for life. New guidelines for life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we'll take the time to, to read this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Verse 15, we'll start there. And that he died for all, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. There's a new lifestyle that comes when you become saved, when you come in right relationship with the Lord Jesus. A new lifestyle. And I like what he says here. We don't live for ourselves, but we live unto him who rose again. It changes our lifestyle from a lifestyle of living strictly for self 
and living a lifestyle of selflessness, living unto a king who freely gave his life for all so that we truly can live. Verse 15, And that he died for all, that they which should live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. We got a new beginning. We got a new beginning. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A powerful scripture, a new lifestyle, a new lifestyle, a new focus for life. Not self, but selflessness. Not living for self, but living unto a God who is the giver of life. He gives us new guidelines for life. And this is all because the Spirit of God, amen, is involved in our salvation with us. Teaching us and causing us to come to salvation. Not only to come to salvation, but, amen, to live out that salvation. So, with this message, we've just begun to give an introduction to the life of the Spirit and the involvement of the Spirit that's in our lives. And today, I want to encourage you, the Spirit of God, amen, is there for you today. Amen. Let's grow together, let's learn together, and let's walk together in the Spirit of God. The Lord bless you. Amen.